Welcome to the Chaps Devo Podcast. I'm Travis Jewell, an active duty Navy chaplain, and during these podcasts, we are going to talk about what God's Word has to say about relevant topics regarding military life, marriage, family, relationships, and many other things during these COVID-19 days. You can also check us out online on our YouTube channel at Chaps Devos. We hope you enjoy listening. As always, have a blessed day. Well, hello there, and welcome to Chaps Devos. I'm Travis Jewell, and it's so good to see some of y'all, whether it be for the first time or for those who have been regularly subscribing to us for the last almost two years. It's crazy. We've been almost together now two years. And we've had a lot more episodes on YouTube than the podcast, so I'm still trying to get some of those older episodes that many of you have wanted to listen to. So continue praying. Uh, Just got done. Uh, with uh, Chaplain Intermediate Leadership School in Newport, Rhode Island. So think about it, I can't believe it's been 10 years since I've been back at Newport. And uh, that's where our, us as chaplain, I'm a Navy chaplain, we go to uh, chaplain school to get trained up to be a military chaplain in the Navy. And so I was there for two weeks, and now I'm up in the Upper Peninsula. I'm in a hotel right now here in Houghton, Michigan, kind of on one of the fingers of Lake Superior. Uh, yesterday we were in Duluth, Minnesota, just kind of making our way across the western area of responsibility that we cover here in Sector Sault Ste. Marie in the 9th District, kind of the Great Lakes where the Coast Guard serves. And I get the privilege and honor to serve as a Coast Guard chaplain. So anyway, if this is your first time with us for here at Chaps Devos, it's, uh, there's a little little subscribe button, make sure to click that and click the notifications so that you can be up to date when any new episodes drop. We should be doing these about once a month, but because of school and everything, it's been about once a quarter. So I have got to get back up on the bandwagon. I've got two episodes, one today, and one we're gonna push probably here in the next couple weeks. And uh, yes, and so thank you for being patient. Thank you for your prayers and support. And uh, you know, as we're in kind of this Lent season, we've been basically saying no to certain things in our life and saying yes to God and leaning into His Word uh, as we kind of get our hearts and minds uh, prepared for Easter and Resurrection weekend. Uh, I've been doing this kind of uh, um, kind of intermittent fasting on Wednesdays, kind of from sun up till sundown, no, no, nothing to eat other than water, and um, it's been very. Very, very, uh, very challenging, but also been very freeing, uh, making me think about things that are important in my life and kind of clearing my mind and heart from some of the things that I look to as comfort. Food is one of those. If you like food like me, uh, I love food. I'm a foodie. And I'm getting ready to go actually go here here dinner just a little bit because we're getting pretty close to sundown. And um, after I finish this episode, I'm going to go get some food. But... You know, I've been thinking about what to say, been having some of you all uh, send me messages like, hey, I would love to be a guest on the podcast, and let's think of some things to talk about and encourage folks, because it's been a crazy last couple of years with COVID. 
And people need encouragement. People need hope in the midst of a lot of uncertain times, everything going on in Ukraine right now, and just continuing to pray for them and our leaders and all those in, um, in our government, just giving grace and wisdom and insight to all those who are having to make very, very difficult decisions. And um, praying, for, praying for Christians who are being persecuted, praying for those who are uh, separated from their families. We just really want to pray for them, that God would use all these circumstances for His glory and their good in the midst of pain, in the midst of just horrible tragedy, that God's people would lean into His Word, which is not only true, it's trustworthy. And that we, as His people back here in the States, would lift those people up, and God's grace and peace and comfort would be there in the midst of some very chaotic times. So as we're getting ready to kind of dive into today's episode, I'm already at three minutes in, can you believe that? I want to do what I've been doing the last couple episodes, doing some rebroadcast of of messages that I've been able to present uh, at my uh, church that we're attending now, Woodside Bible Church. It's a multi-campus church. I talked about this last time, and I've had the privilege now to preach Uh, several times, about once every other month, once a quarter. And the last couple months I've been preaching about once uh, a month. And so uh, I'm going to show the latest sermon. We went through a sermon series in Jonah, and then we went through, I think even before that, we were in a sermon series in James. And so we're going to post the the passage in Jonah uh, about how God employs severe mercy because he loves us. And we're going to kind of walk through that passage, Jonah, where he's in the belly of the fish. And what is it like when you feel like it, all of life is just crushing around you and you are alone, you're tired, you're angry, you're lonely, you're, you're, you feel like, is God even there? And how God can use very crushing circumstances actually for our good because he's employing severe mercy because he loves us. So let's go ahead and turn over to our latest episode of Chaps Devos as we walk now through the book of Jonah. So go ahead and get your cup of coffee or water, and let's turn to the book of Jonah as we turn into Chaps Devos. Well, good morning, Woodside Romeo. How y'all doing? Good morning. Hey, the one person back in the back, I appreciate you. There we go. It's all good. And good morning uh, for our online community. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's always a, a great to be able to share with you what God is teaching us in God's Word. And, you know, if you have a copy of God's Word, go ahead and turn to the book of Jonah. Now, if, you, if you're first time with us, you're, you know, not new, maybe you're new to Bible study, you're probably like, where is Jonah at? Well, there's no shame to go to the table of contents in the, big, the beginning of your Bible and to look. It's a little small minor prophet in the Old Testament. It's a very small book. Uh, I guarantee you there's most of us who even, you know, who've been Christians for a long time may have a hard time finding Jonah. So we will also have the, uh, the scripture on the screen, but as you're turning to Jonah, I want you to kind of kind of give a kind of where we've been at the last couple of weeks. Pastor Billy has been taking us through a series at, at odds with God. We've been going through the book of Jonah. And really, we've been talking about what does it mean when you are at odds with God? And we've been talking about this prophet, Jonah, who has been sent by God to go to the Assyrian city of Nineveh who, if you did any research, Pastor Billy kind of give us kind of a, a PC version of that because it's a pretty horrific thing what they did to the Jews. Tortured, killed, it was, pretty, it was pretty inhumane. And God is calling Jonah to rise up and go preach the good news of, of, of what God's message was to this people. He's thinking, no way. 
I didn't know what these people did to my people. Why should they deserve that? And instead of going to 750 miles kind of north uh, east from where he was, he went almost 3,000 miles going west toward Tarshish, which is near modern-day Spain. And what it was like to be running from God. Maybe you've been in those situations where you knew that God was calling you to do this. And you did not agree with it. You did not want to do it. And we made excuses. Our our fear, our our justification. What people were going to do to us. And so instead of doing what God calls him, he literally goes in the opposite direction. So here's a reluctant prophet who knew what to do, but tried to defy God by going in the opposite direction. And eventually, he gets in a, at Joppa and goes to Tarshish. Okay? Try to say that three times fast, right? But he goes there, and this massive storm overwhelms these very seasoned sailors to eventually, they're like, we got to do something. So Jonah says, well, hey, hey I'm a Hebrew. I mean, he's not even really telling where he's from or who he's a prophet. And he's like, just, you know, I serve the, this one true God. And they're like, oh my gosh, he's angry at you. He's angered us. He's like, just... Toss me over the side. He would rather die in drowning in the sea than obey God. He could have had the boat turn around, as Billy talked about last week. But instead, he decides to end his life. So at the end of Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, so go ahead and turn to Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. We're going to be looking through chapter 2, verse 10. At the end of chapter 1, this is what we find out. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. You see, when God calls Jonah and some of us to places like Nineveh, there will always be a boat going to Tarshish. There always will be. And so whatever you do, please don't be the one that takes somebody else on a boat to Tarshish when God's calling them to do something. So we have to look at it from both perspectives. You know, um, as, you know, anytime you do a Bible study or devotion, God is, you know, is ultimately doing a work in your heart. And I truly believe that you are here, right here, right now, to hear from the Word of God. Not because of me and my speaking ability, but because we serve a sovereign king of the universe who wants to do something in you today. And as we've learned so far in Jonah, God often uses people to accomplish his task. Like Jonah, arise, go, send this message of hope, send this message of repentance, the the news of, of the gospel. Or what I often think God does is he uses tasks to accomplish people, which is what we're going to find out today. And before God works on the message, he works on the messenger, and he's been working And he's going to continue working on Jonah as we read in chapter 2. One of our former pastors at my previous church down in Jacksonville, he said this about this particular passage. He says, we are not merely tools in the hands of God, but rather we are sons and daughters in the family of God. Think about that. And, and for many, particularly when we come to passages like this, when we think about, you know, we're seeing God's anger and God's wrath, it's easy just to check out, like, oh my goodness, here we go, we're going to be talking about fire and brimstone and talking about God's wrath and, and punishment, and why is he doing this? But I want you to understand that even though God is moved to anger, the Bible says he is slow to anger, and he is abounding in steadfast love because his very essence is love. Who God is is love. 
then it's easy just to get caught up in only the God, you know, God is loving and God is kind. But many times, it's his kindness that leads us to our repentance. It's many times to, to think that, that God would use discipline or hardship or pain to awaken us up, to actually love us enough to not just pluck us out of our situation that we're in, but actually see us through it. That's where we're going to find ourselves with Jonah. One of the things I love about the Bible is you, you know it's got to be written by God because if it was written by you and me, I would write this a whole lot differently, right? I mean, it is raw. It's, it uses just ordinary people. People, I'm like, if I was going to write the Bible, I'd probably write it where, you know, certain people are a little elevated a little bit more, but God's like, man, we're going to show everything. The good, the bad, the gritty, and I love it because here we are, God is shown as a loving father who demonstrates his love through us, for us, uh, how he disciplines us. Hebrews says he disciplines us because he loves us, right? And one of the things I'm going to talk about today, you're going to hear this mentioned many, many times in this message, is two words, severe mercy. And at first glance, you may be thinking, how does severe and mercy line up together? It doesn't seem to match up. And as we will see in Jonah, God often causes us or permits us to go through severe mercy. Why? Because of either our own sin or other sin against us. And it can be painful, it can be hard, and it can be just pressing and crushing. Why is God allowing me to go through this? Why is God causing this? Well, ultimately, we see in the Bible it's for his glory and our good. And we're going to talk about the reality of even though we know that intellectually, it's a hard time to believe that with our heart, right? It is. We, we, we know it, but how do we, how, do we, how do we believe that with our heart? As we enter into Act 2 of Jonah's story, we find him at odds with God. And now in the belly of a great fish, we are facing now God's severe mercy. And what Jonah learns from all this in his experience is our big idea for today is that God's severe mercy is terribly helpful. God's severe mercy is terribly helpful. So why does God employ this severe type of mercy? Why is God's correction and discipline necessary at all in our lives? Today's text is going to give us three answers to why God uses severe mercy to show his love and his kindness toward us. So if you're taking notes, number one, God employs severe mercy to pursue us. Look at verse 1, chapter 17. I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, interesting enough, the first reason why God employs this severe mercy is in our lives is not out of anger or his disappointment or his frustration. Okay? He employs his severe mercy in our lives because he loves us. And it's his pursuit of us. He's relentlessly pursuing rebellious people, reluctant people, just like you, just like me. Where We can be rebellious. We can be stubborn. And what we find is that God is relentlessly pursuing Jonah. He is not giving up on him, even when Jonah has given up on himself. He would rather die than trust God. And he will go to great lengths to wherever Jonah is at. And you may be at a place right now. Does God care anything about what's going on in my life? God is not surprised that you're here. God is not surprised that you're going through the painful experience you're going through. And God may be actually using that 
to open your eyes to the reality of who he is and who he wants to be in your life in the midst of your pain. Why? Because he loves you. Here's one thing. If God only delivers us, but he never disciplines us or disciples us, then how will we ever grow? You ever heard the term helicopter parent? Yeah. Uh, maybe, you, maybe you have one. Don't raise your hand if you are one. Please don't. I don't want to. But, um, <clears throat> so, you know, we think about helicopter parents. Aren't you glad that God is not a helicopter parent, helicopter father? A helicopter uh, a parent is one that is constantly on the lookout for trouble or pain because in their, in their, in, in their essence, they really do have good intentions, right? They, they've maybe gone through some painful experiences in their past, and they're like, I don't want my kids to go through some of the painful experiences that I had to learn through the school of hard knocks, right, or whatever, whatever was done to me. And so they will often try to kind of hover around making sure little Billiard or Susie's doing okay. And if anything comes in, they just they land in like a, you know, like a rescue helo operation. And they come in there like, okay, we got to okay, okay, and then the kids just kind of whisked away like, what just happened, right? And, um, and then you have the lawnmower parents, right? Those are people, they don't just hover, they just lawn, they we're just going to whatever is in the opposition out of the way so nobody is going to get in the way of my kids' success. Now, here's the thing. All those things come out of good intentions. They do. I really believe they do. However, what is happening is they are not trusting in God. They're trusting in themselves to try to control the situation. And many times that's based out of fear. Right? And aren't you glad that God loves us enough to see us through the times of severe mercy? By relentlessly pursuing us, not to pick us up and take us out of the situation, but to prune us, to mold us, to shape us, to discipline us, because he loves us too much to stay the same. It's his kindness that leads to our repentance, and not just kindness to remove us from the hard situations. It's actually, it's his kindness being demonstrated through severe mercy. I know it sounds weird, doesn't it? That he sees us through and puts us in those difficult situations. But let's be honest. Okay, that, let's be honest. You hear that intellectually, but I, I don't know about if you're like me. It, it's a lot easier said than done. I mean, we can all be like nodding our heads saying, hey, man, that sounds great, but what about, what about when I go out these doors and I have to continue living through this pressing and crushing and painful experience? Where many times we have either gotten ourselves in that situation or somebody has continued sinning and hurting us. Many times our own pride, our own fear, is getting in the way, and that is where Jonah is at right now. The Lord points a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and, and, and what's interesting is God is sovereign not just over Jonah's situation, but over nature, over animals. He is literally supernaturally appointing a fish to swallow Jonah, and by all stretch of the means, he should be dead. But God is temporarily giving him respite for a particular purpose. Jonah found himself in severe mercy of God. It was mercy because Jonah was kept from drowning. But it was severe because of the extreme circumstances of how Jonah was kept alive. Pastor and theologian Tim Keller notes regarding this section, a quote. He says, The great fish is a perfect example of such a severe mercy. Obviously, the fish saved Jonah's life by swallowing him. On the other hand, he was still in a watery, dark prison. He was still sinking to the bottom of the world, to the roots of the mountain, the Bible says. 
far from help and hope. He was still alive, but for how long? It was only a temporary break unless God provided another supernatural act of deliverance. And maybe that's where you feel like you're at right now. Maybe you're feeling like Jonah. You see, Jonah's rebellion from the Lord does not leave himself outside the mercy of God. But instead, God is pursuing Jonah, and that's his mercy. The writer of Hebrews quotes Proverbs, reminding us that we should, in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 6, we should not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by it. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every child whom he receives. His discipline is his mercy on us, even though it may feel horrible, pressing, crushing, unfair, fill in the blank. And because of this, we should recognize that God is patient. He is slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. And he is relentlessly pursuing us when we're all these kind of circumstances of maybe discipline. Okay? Why? What is he ultimately trying to do? He's trying to spare us from a greater destruction or harm. That's really what he's trying to do, even though we don't see it at the moment. We are so fixated on our circumstances, which are dictating our behavior, which are dictating our responses. Aren't you glad that the gospel of Jesus Christ not only justifies us, but it also sanctifies us continually through pruning and and shaping and molding us into the image of Christ? God loves us so much that he doesn't just pluck us out. He actually walks us through those valleys of the shadow of death. Why? He He loves us enough not just to pursue us, number one, but number two, He employs severe mercy to awaken us, to open our eyes. Look at verse uh, 1 of chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, which is literally a reference to hell, I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountain, and I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. This is exactly what happens for Jonah. This is, he's, his eyes are being awakened to the reality of his situation. Jonah has been in this fish for three days and three nights, and I can only help him to kind of give a parallel. If you're a Star Wars fan, I love the Mandalorian, I love, uh, love the uh, Boba Fett, and when he's in the great Sarlacc, and remember in Return of the Jedi, when he gets sucked down by the sand monster and, he, and we never see him again, and all of a sudden he pops back up on Disney+, Plus, right? You're like, oh wow, he was able to, and if you get a little Google search, it's like, well, how did he get out of that thing? And I'm thinking, what would it be like to be inside of a Sarlacc? Well, I guess it'd be lots of gooey, nasty, smelly, dark, by yourself, you're crushed down here. Of course, you know, Jonah didn't have some cool, you know, flamethrowers and all that kind of stuff like Boba Fett did. But what he did have was God. And God is enough. And Jonah is slowly coming to that realization. You know, you've often maybe heard the saying, there's no atheists in foxholes. And as a chaplain, I've heard many, many stories from Marines sailors and coasties who have been on various missions, whether it be OIF or OAF, Iraq or Afghanistan, 
for different deployments around the world. Even right now, the, the Sullivans that I just got done leaving when I was at my last command down in Jacksonville, they were doing their world tour with the Queen Elizabeth HMS, a uh, big aircraft carrier that got back in November, and then they literally left 55 days later to go do what we just prayed for just a few minutes ago, providing watch. And I, I had talked to folks who were part of some of the ship collisions with the Fitzgerald, who were part of some other missions where they got shot at by Syrians, all kinds of things. And you get to hear these stories of brave, courageous folks Courage is not the lack of fear. It's what you do in the midst of fear. And so these people, had a, they, they were crying out. At the moment, so my life could be over right now. It's amazing who people cry out to in their moments of desperation. And Jonah's prayer right now is loaded with language from the Psalms because he's going back in his mind and he's remembering his Jewish heritage. Oh, okay, these are the things that they taught us. Don't forget these things. Hide these things in my heart so that I'm not tempted to sin against you. And he's praying this prayer out. And it's basically laid out in three sections, his prayer. First section is an understanding of his condition. You can't move forward until you understand your condition a right understanding of your condition. Number two, the second part of his prayer is God's agency in disciplining him, right? Okay, why is God doing this? He's doing this for a purpose. I may not like it. I may not understand it. I may not agree with it, but I'm going to trust him. And lastly, we see Jonah's hope. So that's kind of where this whole prayer is laid out. Jonah knows his condition. He's not just blind to it. See no evil, hear no evil. It smells. It's dark. It's cramped. It's not much of a better upgrade. I mean, he went from basically trying to kill himself and drowning to being in the bottom of the ocean. I don't consider that an upgrade, right? And so here's Jonah in the reality. And you may be right now feeling, okay, that's great. That's a belly of a fish. But when I look at my finances right now, Travis, there is a huge gap between my payday and my bills. And I don't know how I'm going to get through that. Right now, I just found out the news that I've got terminal illness, and I don't know how much longer I have to live. The treatments aren't working anymore. That person who said that they were going to be with me through better for worse, I guess this must have been their version of worse because they're leaving. You don't understand what's going on in my life right now. I'm struggling with this addiction. I feel like I keep telling myself, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. And for whatever it is, why do I keep struggling with the same things over and over and over and then my, my situation is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I feel like God is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So here I am. Where is God at now? Jonah is revealing to us that he is aware in the midst of a situation that God is the primary actor in bringing a severe mercy upon him. That's a hard switch, folks. Let's be honest. He says in verse 3, For you, he's talking to God here, cast me into the deep. All your ways and billows passed over me. He reveals that although he has been driven away from the Lord, verse 3, he desires and hopes to see the place of the presence of the Lord. Proverbs says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. If you defer your hope, it will make you sick. And he is putting his hope in the one, the only one, who can bring about his salvation. Verse 4, he says, Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. In other words, Jonah has been awakened to his need by God's severe mercy. Think about that. He gets, he is at the bottom. There ain't getting up. This is at the bottom of the bottom. He went from running all the way to Tarshish 
to getting into that, you know, going in the boat, to sleeping in the bottom of the boat, to now being tossed in the ocean. Now he's at the bottom of the ocean in the bottom of the fish. It can't get much worse. He is at rock bottom. And what we see is Jonah's crying out to God in repentance. And it's interesting to know that you cannot truly defend yourself and repent at the same time. You can't. You can't. It's just impossible. Jonah has been awakened to his need by God's severe mercy, and he's not making excuses anymore. He's not defending himself. Have you ever been there before? You get caught, you're like, well, if, I, if so-and-so hadn't have done this, and I wouldn't have maybe done this, you just don't understand what they did to me. You don't understand what they were going to do to me. No, he just he lays it all out. I ain't got nothing left, God. I mean, you know me. You know my heart. I can't lie to you. I can lie to myself. I can lie to everybody else, but I can't lie to you. And God's severe mercy is awakening his eyes. And maybe that's where you're at. You're feeling that severe mercy. Where's your hope at? So let me ask you, as I asked earlier, but I'll ask in a different way. Maybe right now, God is using your circumstances as an act of severe mercy. That's hard. Right now. And it's this very time, God is asking you to examine your heart and see where you're at. Be real with yourself. I'm, I'm stop, I'm, I gotta stop running. I gotta stop believing the lie. I gotta stop putting on this facade of identity that I'm trying to keep up with to please everybody else. Or I, I need to be real and honest with myself. Maybe you feel like Jonah at the bottom of the sea in the belly of fish, and you cry, what is God saying to you? What are you trying to say to me, God, right now in the midst of this situation that I feel is overwhelming? It's literally choking me. God is calling you to cry out to him for mercy and grace. And the good news of the gospel is that God is gracious, amen? And he hears the prayers of his people. He is waiting for you to call out to him. Knock, you'll find. Seek, and you'll find an answer. He wants you to call out to him. He's waiting for you like the prodigal father, the, the, the prodigal son story, where he sees you from a long way off, and he runs to you. He wants you to come back home. Revelations 3.19 says the church of Laodicea, the lukewarm church, they're neither hot nor cold. I want to vomit you out of my mouth, that church. He says, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. God uses severe mercy to open our eyes to the rebellion and rejection and just turn them home. Lord's severe mercy, he's not only pursuing us, he's not only opening our eyes, but number three, if you're taking notes, what is the purpose behind all this? He wants to save us. And not just salvation, but he wants to have that relationship with us. Look at what Jonah says here. God employs severe mercy to save us. Look at verse uh, um, uh, 6 of chapter 2. Jonah says this, Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God, when my life was fading away. I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, into your holy temple, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. We're going to come back to that. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon dry land. I don't know what's worse than vomiting, being vomited, or vomiting out. I don't know, it's pretty bad, right? It's pretty intense. And everything up to this point hasn't been that great. 
right? It's not been that great. God's been pursuing him, employing severe mercy through love and correction. He sends a great fish to preserve his life temporarily as he was trying to basically jump off the ship and drown. And now he's awakened to his condition. And he says, yet you, O Lord, brought up my life from the pit. And here is Jonah's turn right here, verse 7. Here is Jonah's turn of repentance. He seeks the Lord. Nothing has changed yet in his life. God hasn't rescued him. He, he, he's still in dark, alone, cramped, cold, tired, hungry. It's not like, God, if you rescue me, I'll follow you. That's not surrender. That's, let's make a deal. That is not surrender, folks. God is not wanting you to make a deal with him. He will not be a means to your end. He is not going to be used for idolatry for your purposes. So we can't twist God's, our will into God's will. It doesn't work that way. We can't conform him into our image. It's the other way around. It's hard, though, right? Because we hear those whispers of the enemy. Everybody else, he's holding out on you. He's forgotten you. He doesn't love you anymore. That's why he's called the father of lies. But he remembers God's truth. He says, will you remember me? And he does. It kind, of thinks, it kind of reminds me of the thief on the cross. You have Jesus. He's got two thieves, one thief on each side. And one thief, they're kind of ridiculing Jesus. If you're truly the son of man, you know, have the angels bring you down. And he could. He had the power. The religious leaders are probably looking at these folks going, you're condemned. You're not fit for use anymore. You had your chance. You messed up. Pay the piper. You're going to capital punishment on the cross, Roman crucifixion. You had your chance. He turns to Jesus. The one goes, hey, man, he didn't do anything wrong. Hey, Lord, when you go to behold your father, would you please remember me? He had nothing to give God except himself. He didn't have an opportunity to live his life and go be a disciple or go share the good news of Jesus. He was at the end of the road like Jonah. He had no one else to give except his life. And you know what Jesus says? He says, truly, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And you know the best time to cry out to God? Today. Right now. You see, at the center of Jonah's realization is the realizing that God is unrelenting, unwavering. He is forever love. Amen? And God's love is what I, Jonah is identifying in verse 8. He's making a contrast here. Okay, Those who vow idols and those who trust the Lord. Look at verse 8. He says, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. I kind of like the NIV translation. It's a, it says this in a little different way. This is the ESV we're reading. I'm going to read to you the NIV. It says, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. A little different, right? Essentially, what is Jonah saying? The world will always fail you. You put your hope in finances, they will let you down. You put your hope in relationships, they will let you down. You put your hope in comfort, and I promise you this, it will make you all kinds of promises it can't keep. The God of comfort. And you know what? When it lets you down, it is deathly silent. And we, as the people of God, need to pray for our brothers and sisters who are struggling right now. We need to be the hands of people. We need to be out there asking, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? How can I serve you? What do you need? How can I love you? Because right now they're struggling. They are struggling. Now, does God even love me? What is happening in my life? 
God's severe mercy has brought Jonah to his senses, and he has repented. And he ultimately, God wants to use him to go and do something he could not do on his own. And then he, in verse 9, he explains that he will do what God has called him to do. He's not going to do it. Well, okay, Lord, if you saved my life, I guess I better do it. No, that's not surrender. That's just like, well, I'm glad I'm not dead. It's with thanksgiving and joy because the joy of the Lord is his strength, not the joy of his circumstances. But what Jonah is saying is that salvation is personal. It's personal. He's making this very, very personal. Here's the interesting thing. If you put your faith and trust in the little G gods of this world, and if you even treat the good gifts of God, okay, if you treat those gifts of God like a good thing, and they eventually become a God thing, that's a bad thing. Because God will not be a means to your idolatry. If you cling to those worthless idols, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and pride of life, it will let you down. And you will be forfeited the grace that God wants you to experience. So right now, before anything's changed, he's making this realization. Salvation does not mean it's a change in my circumstances. Salvation means I and you, we get God, period. That's it. The Savior of Jonah isn't a fish, so don't be out faith about a fish, please, okay? He was even being obedient to God. Don't be out faith about a fish. See, the Savior of Jonah is the sovereign king of the universe, Jesus Christ. And once again, God's demonstrating his sovereign power. He spits out the fish in verse 10 and vomits Jonah out on dry land. And now he were positioned for next week for act three. And God is saying, I want to make room for you. There's a great song, make, I will make room for you. I will make room for you. Because either I will make room for God or God will make room for me. It's going to happen. And I would much rather do it voluntarily. I, I don't bet you I can be kind of stubborn. Kind of drag my feet. We're going to show a short video of a young man that I got to meet on my last deployment on the Sullivans named Sam Torres. He was a hard charger, 12 years in the United States Navy. He was a machinist mate, gas turbine technician, and he got himself into some trouble to the point where he was a captain's master. And because of his situation, he not only got not, he did not get that, he got demoted down to E3. It was pretty bad, actually. And he was actually on his way out finishing up his contract because he wanted to be a barber. He was kind of our ship's barber. He was doing that on the side. And I'm going to show you a video that he and I created after he came to faith in Christ that we wanted to show the crew that we're going to show you today about what his experience was like being in the belly of a fish. Hi, my name is uh, Sam Torres, and uh, I was born in Anaheim, California. I was adapted into going to church since I was little. Religion was kind of was a part of my life. I guess at times I didn't really take it seriously. Saying a prayer here and there was, was good enough. Um, I spent 12 years in the U.S. Navy. A lot of highs and high, uh, a lot of lows. I joined when I was 19, a year after high school, I graduated from high school. I've, I've grown a lot. Now that I've been, you know, I have a few few months left in the military, you know, there was an, an issue that, uh, that arose. 
impacted my life pretty dramatically. Pretty much rock bottom. I was at the lowest point in my life. I didn't know what to do. I was depressed. I, I, was, I was not myself. It affected my marriage. I remember one night I was in desperate. You know, I was I was lost. I didn't know what to do. I cried out. You know, I cried out to the Lord, to, to Jesus, Jesus Christ, and I asked Him to, to cleanse me from my sin, to help me. You know that I need. Give me all my hate, my my worries, all my my anxiety, all my my depression dis disappeared. And from that point, I, I I promised him that I would change, that I would change through him, and not just myself. But I promised him that I would I would give him my hundred percent. Since attending, you know, uh, the Bible study group, uh, it's it's been it's been a knowledge that I I received and. From the study group, it's, it's it's pretty powerful. And every time I every time I read the Bible, every time I hear about it, every time I talk about it, I just I feel happy. I feel overwhelmed with joy. So I got baptized, and when I was baptized, I felt just happy. Here in the likeness of Christ, raised walk in Things just started to happen. I became a, a, a even stronger believer in, in Christ. My next step is I get out in a in a few weeks, and um, I plan to be more involved, you know, with, with Christ because he, he showed me what he can do in a small amount of time. So and that's just in a, that's in just a month. So I can imagine in a lifetime what we could do, you know, by devoting, devoting myself to him. I definitely want to say, uh, you know, thank you so much for, you know, keeping your prayers for not only myself, and, but for us here, you know, the military. Because, you know, it is, a, it is a hard life that a lot of people don't understand. It's, it's, it can be very uh, overwhelming, and uh, especially, you know, leaving your family at home. I've been, my wife and I've been through eight. She's been through eight deployments with me, so it's, you know, it's my, you know, now that I'm getting out, I'm, I'm excited, you know, I get to start a new, start a new life, a new chapter, and um, this time I want to do it. That's the way I want to do it. Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. I actually got permission to ask Sam if I could use this video today because he said anytime I can make an impact was I felt like I was in the bottom of the bottom and I had no place to go. And my question for you is, are you under God's severe mercy? Have you been disciplined by him? God is employing this mercy for your good and ultimately for your salvation, just like he was for Jonah. You see, the cross of Christ is where the severe mercy of God met as his justice was being displayed. God took the severe part in suffering on our behalf and extends to us the mercy of his forever love and kindness to us. Why he has done this? He ultimately wants to save us from our biggest enemies, sin, Satan, death. And I pray that you have received the mercy of God. If you haven't, this is your opportunity. 
If you're in a season of severe mercy right now, today is the day to see his love. Today is the day to be awakened to your desperate condition. Today is the day to turn. I was going in this direction. I'm going to trust that when Jesus died on the cross, it counted for me. Today is the day to see his saving hand at work in your life. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to the Chaps Devo podcast. The viewpoints today are my personal opinions based upon the Bible and are not connected with the United States Navy or Navy Chaplain Corps. As always, we appreciate your comments to continue improving and keeping our material relevant and powerful. Please check us out next week for another episode. Again, have a blessed day.